0: Is everybody still downstairs or is just a night when people decide I don't want to listen to Mike Sayers? Because <laughs> it could be that. My wife has those kinds of nights. Okay, so I've got a little crowd breaker. Yeah, don't you love crowd breakers that scum? These go over like lead balloons here, like lead zeppelins. They're not very well received. But we're going to do it anyway. Um, I got a question for you. The question is this. At this particular point in your life, what is more important to you? Is it family love or is it your friends and the love you share among your friends? So is it family love or is it friends love? What is more important and then... After you get done sharing that with somebody around you, just grab a person you don't even have to know them. Uh, tell them why the other one is not important as the one you're picking right now, because these things change as you get older and younger and you know so it's okay just just answer that question, which is more important family love or friendship love to you right now, and if you can explain why the other one has lost prominence. So do that I'll give you just a couple minutes for that, okay. You can turn the music on lowly in the background. You 60 seconds, that's all you got left, 60 seconds. All right, just out of curiosity, if I could uh, ask for just a raise of hands. How many people at this time of your life, uh, friendship is the dominant of the two? Just raise your hands. Okay. Oh, it's a healthy group. Okay, how about for you, the family? Just raise your other hands. Okay, great. You know, it's slightly heavier on family than it is on friendship, but actually I expected friendship to make a strong showing. Um, the reason I asked that question is that this is actually part two of a message I gave a few weeks ago called um eros and agape which are two greek words for love and so tonight i'm doing the other two greek words which are Storky, which is family type affection and then philia which is friendship just so you know i am totally ripping off cs lewis uh for this message as i did for the last message um i was talking to a guy at the morning church brandon uh, you know, singer songwriter dude, and we agree that it was kind of like covering somebody else's song. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. This is my version of a great, great, great song. But um, I'm going to start off with uh, with Storge. That's S-T-O-R-G-E. For those of you who like to spell it in English, those are not the letters for Greek. Just so you know. But the weird thing about Storge, love, is that. Usually it's been going on for some time before you notice it's there. It's not like friendship when, you know, you're doing something and you're next to somebody and you realize, hey, we like the same things. Friendship is like two people walking down the road of life and you happen to look to your left and there's somebody walking right beside you. And it's like, whoa, ho, it's a revelation all at once. Or it's not like falling in love romantically, which kind of hits you like a tsunami usually, you know, like you see the girl swimming in the pool from your lifeguard chair, that kind of thing, you know, Um, that just hits you, boom, like that, and, uh, you know, romance is in the air, you can't help it. But story is much more subtle than that, it usually happens after a while, and then you finally notice it. In that way, it's a very humble love. Of all four loves, I would say it is the most humble. Um, My scum stickers. By the way, you can pick these up for free in the back. I don't know why I have this in my pocket. There. So it's kind of homey. It's unobtrusive. It's just really nice and easy. C.S. Lewis puts this list together that I really love, and then I added a couple in here too. It's a warm kind of love. It's comfortable. It's the kind of love that a new mother has for her newborn child. It's warm. Picture a litter of kittens or a little of Litter of puppies all tumbling around and squirming and trying to get near their mom. It's the warm animal smells. It's the noises of kids playing in the basement, the family room. It's the sound of a sewing machine. It's a toy left on the lawn. It's a dog's tail that drowsily pounds on the kitchen floor. It's easy laughter and easy tears on an old, wrinkled face. It's a warm blanket on a cold night in December with a fire blazing in the hearth. For the ancient Greeks, Storgi, and even for modern Greeks, very often when they're talking about Storgi, they'll talk about it in terms of the affection among family members. So a mother for her children, the father for his sons and daughters, children for their parents, uncles, aunts those kinds of things. It's bread of familiarity. Here's a revelation: You didn't choose your parents. And you all get something, and he or she doesn't. It's kind of an odd revelation at the moment. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, if, you know, you have kids naturally, or if you've adopted kids, or if they're stepkids from marrying in. You know, after a while, anybody can be loved by Storgi. Because it's bred from familiarity. I know these people. I know what they're like. And so anybody can be loved by Storgy. The ugly can be loved by Storgy, The stupid, the exasperating. I think one of the reasons that my wife puts up with my disgusting habits is because being with a man whose grossities she's aware of is better than being with a man of unknown idiosyncrasies. It's easier. She's familiar with them. She knows how to cope with them by now. I'm sure there was one morning when Mary woke up and looked over at me on the pillow next to hers and wondered who the heck this stranger is that I married. But after a while, because we kept spending time together, days turned into months and months turned into years, life becomes easier. I think it's the same reason that most parents would never trade their teens for somebody else's teens. (laughs) Because at least you know what you're getting with yours. Who knows what might happen? Even different species can love each other with storky. Obviously, humans love their pets, and pets love their masters. Of course, cats don't have masters. Cats have staff. But, <laughs> but dogs love their masters, right? And people love their cats. And cats love their masters, I know. teasing. I just lost all the cat people in, in, the, in the congregation. Just lost, they're gone. Won't listen to one more thing I say. Anyway, but this gives me a great deal of hope because the longer that um, I'm married, I, I'm really convinced that men and women are different species. But we can love each other with Storgy if we get to know each other. In this way, um, Storgy becomes kind of a base for other loves. maybe there's people you work with every day on the job and this leads to a friendship so story kind of becomes a uh, a nest where other loves can can th- thrive so familiarity breeds friendship. These are people that maybe you would never ever guess you had anything in common with. But because you work at the same office or in the same business or at the same farm or at the same store every single day, you get to know people with whom you otherwise would never have had a relationship. People come dear to become dear to you because they're familiar. And that's the only reason. Now we know that Storgy also makes a place for, uh, for other romances. If you know the Jesse and Jesse Holloman story, you'll know that they were very comfortable with each other. They had grown up almost as f- like family because his parents and her parents were super, super close. And they knew each other, and it was like one day, I never forget talking to Jesse Boy about this, he says, it was weird because one day I turned and looked at this girl that I had known since I was a little kid, and all of a sudden she was hot. It just kind of happened just like that. storgie had made a place for friendship, and then friendship somehow led to romance. It just kind of came in unexpectedly the way it does. We know that, that, that Storgi and Eros, romance and, and f- this kind of famili- familiar love, actually can coexist in the same place. We know this because we know that lovers don't always kiss the same way. I mean, your mother always kisses you the same way. That's Storgi, right? Your father, if your father's Greek, he would always kiss you on the cheek or on the forehead or sometimes even on the lips in that way that fathers do in the old country. It's a very affectionate thing, but Storgi only kisses in one way. Now, lovers kiss in a whole different way, as I hope you know. But lovers don't always kiss that way. I mean, sometimes it's just a brush of the lips as you're out the door on the way to work or something. Or it's a peck on the cheek. See... Storgi kisses that way, and it happens even among lovers. This love, Storgi, reminds us some ways of agape. Now, agape, if you remember from the last time I talked, is that First Corinthians 13 kind of love. Love is patient, love is kind, it never takes offense, it never keeps a record of wrongs, it believes all things, hopes all things. Love never fails. That kind of love, the kind of love we hear about at weddings all the time, which has nothing to do with romance at all. It just has to do with sacrifice and commitment, right? That's the love we, we strive for. I mean, that's not the love that got us to the altar, but that's the love that we're going to get from now on, the love we're going to give from now on. And agape kind of is, is, is seen, at least a, a shadow of it is seen in story because, you know, you love people who don't look very attractive. We handpick our friends, but story allows us to have a deep affection for people that we're required to be with. Maybe even the people you go to church with are people you would never, ever choose as your friends or your lovers. But you know what? They're your people. They're your family. And you can learn to appreciate them no matter how different they are. When we started Scum of the Earth, it was pretty much a homogeneous unit. I mean, we were, except for me (laughs) and Mary, we were all the same. Everybody liked the same kind of music. Everybody dressed the same kind of clothes. Everybody liked the same kind of movies. But now, more than a decade later, Scum is very much more diverse and how are you going to love the people you go to church with? So, Stargate kind of looks like agape. In that, you kind of get get it. You, you can put up with people. You 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 enjoy them. No matter if they're, you know, suburban white upper middle class, or if they're you know, inner city crusty punk. Doesn't matter. We thus grow, gentlemen, to love a man with whom we wouldn't normally be friends or have a deep affection for women with whom we could never fall in love. And ladies, same holds true for you. This type of love allows you to appreciate women with whom you would never otherwise associate except at church or have an affection for men that you would not date in one million years. (laughs) The great thing about Storgi is that we learn how narrow we really are. You thought you were cool. You thought you were magnanimous. But when you start rubbing shoulders with people you don't really have a strong affection for, and yet you learn to appreciate them, that's Storgi. I had a friend who was like this. Uh, When we were in high school, I did not know him. He was in my class in high school, never met him, never cared to meet him. He was uh, on kind of like one side of the class, and I was on the other side of the class. His name was Mark Brum. And then, you know, years later, lo and behold, we both become Christians. And we're both involved in young life. And Mark Brum pastored me into becoming my friend. He would always call me up. Hey, Mike, let's go do this. Or, hey, Mike, let's go here. He had me go into this Bible study with a bunch of old dudes. It was awesome. I never would have picked it, but Mark did. So we would meet with these really old guys, Ken Kegler, Jack Nassitz, you know, Bill Talford, all these old guys, right, who were old enough to be my dad or my grandfathers. And they met like on a Friday morning at 6, oh my God, 30 or something like that, at a local Dutch pantry, and Mark would come pick me up, and we would get in the car and go, and I never would have figured it out, but it was awesome. I loved not only being with Mark, whom I never would have picked, and I loved being with these old dudes who I thought, hmm, stay away from me, go listen to your Frank Sinatra. <laughs> but Storky is not agape. It's not. I mean, didn't Jesus say something about um, hating father and mother and family for his sake? That's one of those verses that kind of turns your head around, is it? Anybody doesn't hate father or mother? Children, not worthy of me. So it's not the same. Agape and storge are not the same. Because inside this very natural love are the seeds for its own destruction. Inside story are the seeds of hatred. You're going, what? Come on, Mike. Be it ever so humble, there's no place like home. And you look at the... Mother's Day cards and the Father's Day cards, and they're just drippy with this sentimental, yeah, and there's something inside you that goes, there's something wrong with these Mother's Day cards and these Father's Day cards. I can't stand them. And you're right, because you know better. You know that story isn't all that it cracks itself up to be. Because it's true that most anybody can be loved by Storgi. But the problem is some people think that it's a right to be loved that way. Like if you're a kid and you say, my parents have to love me. They have to because they're my parents. Doesn't matter how I treat them. Doesn't matter what I say to them. Doesn't matter what tone of voice I use. Doesn't matter how late I stay out. Doesn't matter if I do my chores or not. Parents have to love their children. No, they don't. Story is not agape. They get ticked off when you don't clean the bathroom. They get ticked off when you don't cut the grass. They get ticked off when you borrow money, tell them you're going to repay it, and you don't. It goes the other way, too. If it can be pictured by, you know, a mother nursing her baby. Just think about this for a minute. You know, mother is giving to the baby, nursing the baby. That's great. But, um, you know, mother's getting something out of this as well as the baby. If mother, if you're, if you're newly a parent and you're nursing your child or your, your wife is nursing your child, and baby skips a feeding or two, what happens to mom? Besides getting large, dark circles on her blouse, she's in pain. She has to give to that baby. If she doesn't give it to the baby, it hurts. And so she's got to give. Baby's got to receive. It's a great little arrangement that God has made. But what happens when the kid gets older? Of course, it's not nursing anymore, but mom and dad want to give to the child because they love the child. With storky love, we must give to you. And the kid is going, stay away. It's like the Heisman, you know, stay, get, get away from my life. This is my life, and you are my parents, and you must stay away. And the more you push against them, the more your parents are hurting because they have to give, and the more jerks they become, unless Storge is saved by Agape. Storge is not the end all kind of love. It just can't be. This even happens between brothers and sisters, especially I hate to say this, I'm not gonna pick on you long. Big sisters. Big sisters become kind of like mini-moms, and that's great when everybody's little, but when it's older, sometimes it becomes troublesome. Big sister's always going to know what's going on. She's always got to help out. C.S. Lewis never had a big sister, but he experienced this kind of turmoil at some point in his life because he wrote an epitaph. It's a joke. It's a poem, but he wrote this epitaph. So imagine this on a gravestone, okay? It starts off like this. Erected by her sorrowing brothers in memory of Martha Clay. Here lies one who lived for others. Now she has peace. And so have they. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians 6 1 through 3 is the first commandment with a promise. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. It is true that this is supposed to be. So God wants us to love, right? But the reverse is also true. The Bible also has things to say about parents not exasperating their children. There's a rudeness that, that parents can exhibit that they wouldn't exhibit to anybody else except their kids. This is storge gone bad. This is storge spoiled. This is when it just claims too much ground for itself. Have you ever seen parents interrupt children? Right in the middle of a sentence, as if what the kid was saying didn't matter. Have you ever had that happen to you? They would never interrupt their peers that way. Flat-out contradiction. Sometimes ridicule. Insulting remarks. Oh, you look fat in that. Sometimes dogmatic assertions about things the kid knows more about than the parents. I mean, you should see my sons try and tell me something about Apple computers. And I argue with them because I'm a jerk. Both my sons work at the Apple store, Cherry Creek. They know more than me, but sometimes I'm telling them exactly what's going on because I've read the latest in Macworld magazine or something, and they're telling me, you know, and I just, because I'm an idiot. Storgi is a love that cannot fix itself. Once it goes bad, it becomes smothering. You've heard the term um, smother mother, right? Helicopter mom. Sturkey gone back and look like an episode of The Simpsons. How many people watch The Simpsons or have watched The Simpsons? Raise your hands. Okay, I'm, I'm surprised it's not 100%. percent been on a long time. Homer speaks to Marge and the children in ways he would never speak to strangers. Because Homer is comfortable in his own home, in a place where formality of manners is not insisted upon, Homer has the idea that home is a place where no manners are required. And that's wrong. That's Storge gone bad. Agape must come in, love, without thought of return. Kind, compassionate, long-suffering, forgiving, always believing the best. If that doesn't come in and shore up Storge, if we don't take family love off the altar of our worship, and put it down at the bottom and take agape, God is love, and put it up at the top, your family is going to fall apart. It just is. Mark chapter 3, verse 20. Listen to this in the life of Jesus. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Can you say burn? This is Jesus burning his mama. The Virgin Mary. You know, the one who got the visit from the angel Gabriel. Gabriel. The one who carried him in her womb. The one who nursed him. The one who taught him how to walk and how to eat. There comes a time when Stargi has to be buttressed, upheld, rescued by Agape. Sometimes, as a parent, you can make believe that as long... As you're tired, as long as you're poor because you keep spending all this money for your kids, it's proof of how much you love your children. It's not. It's not all the time. Sometimes it's about you and your own pride. Jealousy can be in Storgy just as much as it can be in Eros. We all know about jealous lovers, but trust me, there are jealous siblings and there are jealous parents. If you grew up with a brother or sister and, you know, you have the same interests all the way growing up, and then one of you decides, you know what, I are really like classical music, and the other one's left behind, you'll see some jealousy. Making fun of classical music, making fun of you for liking classical music, And then even goes on, like, who does he think he is? Liking classical music. Does he think he's better than us? There's this thing that families say when this happens, and Storgay begins to be jealous. And this is what they say It's just a phase. You got it. It's just a phase. It's so condescending. It's just a phase. I remember when this happened to me. All of a sudden, I became this radical Jesus freak somewhere just after my high school years. My family didn't know what to do with me. I was taking my Bible to work and reading it on my breaks. I bought a cross and I wore it around my neck. I started to hang out with people they would never, ever want me to hang around. The guys I hang around with before were all going to be, you know, doctors and lawyers and, you know, upper echelon Socioeconomic people. And I started hanging on with, like, you know, Vietnam War vets and, um, people who were working at a cemetery and guys who were clerks at a local store and people who worked as cooks or dishwashers. And I love these people. And I keep talking about Jesus all the time. It's just a phase. He'll get over it. Don't worry about it. It's why. Twenty-some years later, when my family said, you need to go to seminary, we really believe this is who you are, and you're miserable doing everything else, where I finally felt like they understood. The phase had lasted that long, and it's still going on. Lewis says this, to end up with Storge. Storge is great at laying flowers on graves, keeping anniversaries. It's sometimes far better at lamenting you when you're gone than treating you well when you're alive. We don't like the sappy songs about home because we know that home can be a place where much damage is done. The only way that family affection cannot be detrimental is when it submits itself to sacrificial love, agape. The kind of love that God has for us. 1 Peter 2.17 says this. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Love the family of believers. Anybody have an idea of what word he uses? It's agape. It's not storky. It's agape. We're going to move on. Friendship, Philia. Here's a great verse in the New Old Testament talking about Jonathan and David. 1 Samuel 18, verses 1 through 3. After David had finished talking with Saul, who was the king. Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. That's friendship right there in the Bible. When you love somebody as yourself, you look and you see yourself in someone else's eyes. And you go, you know what? You are exactly the kind of guy I want to hang around with because I want to become somebody like you. And that person looks at you and says the same thing. And it's just powerful. You can go through your whole lifetime and never experience true friendship. You can have lots and lots of acquaintances and never have any friends. I mean, you can't get through life without some kind of storgi, normally, right? And most of us experience eros, romance, at some point in our life. But you can go an entire lifetime and miss the friendship thing. Friends are people who are filled with the same need, who want to attain the same kind of goals, who are going on the same journey as we are. These are people who are stalking the same intellectual quarry that we are. That's what friendship is. People always ask me, they're going, can I be friends with the girl that I'm attracted to? Can I still be friends with the boy I just broke up with? Can men and women be friends without romance happening? The whole movie When Harry Met Sally is about this very question. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's old, but it's good. Especially the scene in the diner. But when people ask me, Mike, you know, is it possible for men and women to be friends? I say, well, yeah, probably. I guess if the normal rules for friendship are present, like, you know, you both like the same things. Friendship is about shared goals like passions. But romance is about each other. Lewis says that if you wanted to paint a picture of romance and friendship, you would paint a picture like this. Lovers are always looking at one another, gazing into each other's eyes, talking about their mutual love for one another. Oh, I love you. Do you love me? Do you think about me as much as I think about you? What were you thinking today? I mean, I used to get this all the time. When I was at work, I come home. Mary would say, did you think about me today? I would say, yes, I did. I'm glad she never asked a follow-up question, which was, did I have my clothes on? (laughs) Because that wouldn't have gone over so well if I'd answered that honestly. But friends are always side by side, shoulder to shoulder, looking at something out in the distance. Like, that's the thing we want to do. That's the thing we hate. (laughs) Whatever. I commonly hear, like I said, people that's come saying about their beloved, she's my best friend. I just kind of roll my eyes. I want to say things like, well, okay, hang on, let me ask a question. Is she a Star Wars geek like you are? Does she enjoy video games and playing them as much as you enjoy playing them? Does she ride a fixed gear bicycle everywhere like you do? Do you ever read the same books? If she's in the Jane Austen, do you read Jane Austen novels? And more than that, do you go to movies that have been made out of Jane Austen novels and sit through them and enjoy them as much as she does? Because if you do, then you're friends. When she asks you to go out, go out dancing, do you make up some lame excuse about having to stay home and water your cactus? I mean, come on. Are you friends? Or do you just think she's hot? Or do you just think He's cute. Any friendship that Mary and I have is based on a similar sense of humor. Our love of the theater. The fact that we were both English majors in college. We both come from immigrant families. I mean, it did not freak me out when I went to her house and her parents were talking Czech all the time. I knew they were talking about me. (laughs) Because when people came to my parents' house or my grandparents' house, they talked Greek for just the same reason. It didn't bother me. We both kind of like God a lot. And, and, and this helped make us friends. Lewis would say that if you're friends with somebody, you're dating, you would just be just concerned about seeing her naked personality as you would her naked body. <laughs> Guys are going, uh, I guess we're not friends then. This entails a life bent upon discovery of each other, folks. If you're going to have a friendship, you've got to work at it. You've got to develop some things that you do together, things that you like in common, besides your eventual children. Because the day will come when you will have to let go of your children or be this mother-mother and smother-father. And there better be something there at home Besides romance, because I'll tell you, romance does not stick around. And when the embers fade away, as they must from time to time, what do you got besides the fact that you just know each other really well? And here's the weird thing about friendship. You can be friends with somebody without knowing a heck of a lot about them. This may sound weird. All you care about is the things you have in common. I mean, this person could be, you know, from a wealthy family, and you wouldn't know it. person could be married, and you wouldn't care. The person could be a father or mother, and it doesn't make any difference to you. This is how it's proof. Friends don't really care about... How those other parts of your life. Like if you are down on your luck financially and you go to your friends and you ask for money, friends don't really care. It's like, okay, fine. You need money. Okay. I'm here. I just take the money and let's forget about it. Let's just forget about it because it's a blip on the radar screen. It's not what your friendship is about. I'm here to help you. Sure. But I'm not here primarily to help you. That's your mama's and your papa's job. I'm here to be your friend. I have people who are my supporters, right? They give me money on a monthly basis so I can do this job. It doesn't matter. We never talk about it. It's like that part of his life is different than our friendship. It's his deal with God. I'm not really a part of it. Philia is the least jealous of the loves. I mean, you know, two friends can have three, four, five, six. doesn't matter. A whole group of friends can come together, right? It doesn't work that way in romance. At least not very well anyway. There may be nothing better in life than for you and a group of friends to go hiking in the mountains, set up a camp, start a campfire, Take off your hiking boots. Open some beers that you brought along. Start telling stories. Start talking about the day's hike until well into the nighttime. It doesn't get any better than this, the commercial used to say. It's a wonderful thing. But friendship's danger lies in its strength. The public opinion of a little group of friends may be tiny, but it matters more than 10,000 other people's opinions. This is when friends and groups of friends become gangs. I believe that every group of friends is thus a resistance movement of some kind. It's us against the world. It's us against the system, against the man, against the institutional church. Scum can be such a place. We have to be careful. Because to say that these people are my friends is to automatically say those people are not my friends. Even though they're part of the body of Christ, we have to be careful. Friendship provides an insulation from the difficulties of the world outside. But friendship itself should be critiqued by those from the outside. It has to be. Or you could go spinning out of control. The trouble with uh, church plants like scum of the earth is that we get kind of Infatuated with our own opinions. Our own style of worship. Our own thoughts about teaching. Fellowship. Service. Missions. We don't listen to anybody else. Groups of friends could just as easily be martyrs As they could be criminals. I mean did you ever wonder about. The Al-Qaeda ring that pulled off the attacks on the U.S. 10 years ago. You're wondering, like, how can you feel good about murdering thousands of innocent civilians? Men, women, and children. How can you feel good about that? Because they had nobody from the outside talking in to their group. they felt like they were doing the right thing. The white men who held slaves in the American South were kind to one another. They were honorable to each other. They were charitable and loving to their own kind. But they treated a whole race of people worse than animals. How could they do that when they were such good friends, it's because friendship is not able to sustain itself apart from agape. It has to be tempered by agape or it will spin off into something that you don't know how bad it can get. Friendships make brave men braver. Kind men kinder, pious men more pious, proud men more proud, and cruel men more cruel, C. S. Lewis says. I mean, even in the tiny things, you remember trying to skip class when you were in high school? Did you ever do it alone? Very rarely. There's a heroic loyalty among friends. I will stand by my friends. I will stick to the firm. I will go down with this ship. I'd rather go to hell with the sinners than go to heaven with the saints because them's my people. See the danger in friendship? Friendship. Proverbs has a lot to say about this. Proverbs 12:26, the righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Proverbs 18:24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See? That friendship storge thing going on here. Sometimes your friends stick to you closer than your actual family, right? Proverbs 22, verses 24 through 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways, her ways, and get yourself ensnared. It is so verily important for us here at Scum of the Earth not to just remain in our little insular groups of people, but to submit ourselves to the authority of the church, to people that we have in mentor relationships, discipling relationships, to um, people outside the church, We must hold them in the highest regard, loving them with the First Corinthians 13 kind of love. And we must allow it to supersede friendship. Otherwise, friendship can get really, really dangerous. This is how church splits start, folks, honestly. Groups of friends get together. They start talking among themselves. They get it going, and pretty soon the whole body is divided, and the body suffers. I don't think we're in nature of that here at SCUM, but we could be sometime in the future. If we're not careful, if we don't put agape love as the highest love and friendship somewhere below. Stargy someplace below. Eros someplace below. What a safe thing it is to have a church made up of young and old, rich and poor, black, white, yellow, brown, Single, married, all those in between. It's a safe thing to learn to love this body of believers with a First Corinthians kind of love. To be the family as well as being friends. To be in love with Jesus the way a bride is in love with her groom on their wedding night. This is what I look forward to. These are the four loves. I hope that they've been... Somewhat revelatory to you, it's been a life changer for me. I highly recommend the book, The Four Loves, by C.S. Lewis, from which I've borrowed profusely. Please pray with me. Lord God, I thank you for C.S. Lewis. I thank you for the wisdom that you gave that man. Um, I thank you for um, the Greek language. And the fact that um, they have four words for love, where we have one. I thank you for this body of believers, Lord. Let us be in love with you. Let us be the family of God. And let us be your friends, Jesus. For you said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. In Christ's name, amen. If you're struggling with anything in your family or with your friendships, especially tonight, we'll have some folks back over here to pray with you if you want to come into the prayer room. Um, Yeah, lift it up before the throne of grace. God just might answer. See ya.